Welcome to the Talking Tabletop Podcast, a collection of tabletop thoughts from a growing community of boy gamers. And I'm your host, Ryan, from the Mr. Rao Gaming YouTube channel. Yes, welcome to the Talking Tabletop Podcast. As mentioned, I'm your host, Ryan, from the Mr. Al Gaming YouTube channel, and I have to thank everybody, everybody out there that is joining me on this inaugural, very first episode of the podcast. I've been very, very excited to get this show on the road ever since I came up with the idea and started approaching people who may want to contribute segments to this podcast. So what is the Talking Tabletop Podcast? Well, it's going to be a collection of tabletop gamers just kind of providing their thoughts on any given topic that they find interesting at that particular moment. That could be games that they're playing recently, or maybe they have a review of a game that they have in mind. Maybe they have something on crowdfunding that they got their eye on. Maybe they got a hot take on something that's happening in the board gaming industry at this current moment. Or really, I'm leaving it up to them to create whatever topics they want to talk about and hopefully maybe also promote their channels at the same time. I do have a nice collection of different content creators at this moment and possibly even non-content creators in the near future that are going to be contributing segments probably about five to ten minutes in length each um every episode. And this is going to be a bi-weekly, every two-week podcast uh, format and so yeah if, if you're here just to see one particular or sorry see here one particular content creator stick around for all of them they all have such unique perspectives and bring such a unique per, uh, view into this hobby that is board gaming and tabletop gaming uh, on this episode, we've got contributors of uh, Meeple and the Moose, Alex McKenzie. We've got Daniel Chan. We've got the Cardboard Conjecture Podcast, uh, Norm and Chris. We've got Brian Chandler from Colorblind Games. We also have the, the gentleman from the Tabletop Express, Ryan, Chris, and Anthony. We also have Rob and Anna Marie from the Meeple Dungeon. And of course, we've got Dan Nixon from the car, Comic Book Yeti. Uh, blog site. So I hope you enjoy all of their content and I will see you at the end of the episode. Hey, hello, hi. My name is Alex McKenzie, and I write board game reviews on my blog, MeepleInTheMoose.com. I'm very excited to be part of the Talkin' Tabletop podcast, and I thought I would use this first episode to, to introduce myself and touch on who I am as a gamer and what some of my favorite games are. I have been an avid board gamer since 2015, but I've been a self-professed gamer since I was a child. Between Super Nintendo and Monopoly, moving to the N Nintendo GameCube and Magic the Gathering and Yu-Gi-Oh! in my teen years, I've always been obsessed with games. Aside from games, today, I'm a father of two young children, I'm an avid reader, and I was a chef in a past life. Now I make my living as a systems administrator, although I'm moving into a new role as a stay-at-home parent for my two young children in early 2024. As a board gamer, I definitely slant more on the Euro side of the spectrum. I like deterministic outcomes, theme is not always necessary, and I really love variety in my gaming lifestyle. With that said, some of my favorite games are Food Chain Magnate, Galaxy Trucker, and Bullet Heart. Food Chain Magnate is a no-luck, perfect information game by Splatter Spellet and designed by Jerome Duman and Joris Wersinga. Food Chain Magnate is merciless in his punishment that if a player makes a mistake, it can be nearly impossible for that player to catch up. Players assume the CEO roles of blossoming food chain franchises and during the Working 9 to 5's fave are tasked with hiring and training their staff, procurement of food and drinks, managing the advertising that generates the demand for that food and drink to each of the houses around town, and settling on the prices to charge for those meals. Once all players have worked their staff, the, din the dinner time phase happens and any house that has been subjected to advertising will have a craving for fast food and will set out to satisfy that demand. A restaurant needs to satisfy their cravings exactly. If the patrons want two pizzas and a coke and a burger and you're missing that coke, they won't want anything to do with you. If more than one player can satisfy that demand, there's a little math formula that determines who the house will choose to visit. 
It's distance plus price. The lowest number gets the business. People will travel farther for cheap eats. If there's still a tie, waitresses in play will break ties or it'll come down to player order. Everything in Food Chain Magnet is tied together, which is one of the things I really love about it. Every action can have ripples that affect every other player at the table. Player order is vital and your staff are important and the milestones are important and everything matters. Food Chain Magnate is a game that gets my heart racing and I look forward to playing it every single time. Galaxy Trucker, on the other hand, is a real-time romp where players are haphazardly assembling ships and hurling them through space, hoping to survive the asteroids and raiders that mean to do you and your bounty harm. Galaxy Trucker, designed by Vlada Shavadal and published by CGE, never fails to make me laugh. More than once, I've built a ship only to notice too late that there's a fatal flaw. The two halves of my ship are connected by a single tile, and then lo and behold, that's the piece that gets blasted away by a raider. Suddenly, I have to choose which half of my ship will continue the, the journey. The one holding all my lasers and engines, or the one with a single engine, but all my loot boxes. The goal of the game is to make money, right? No risk, no reward. Rounding out my favorite games is Bullet Heart. This is another real-time game, but this one's a lot more puzzly. Published by 99Games and designed by Joshua Van Langingham, Bullet Heart seeks to emulate a shoot-em-up game by having players pull discs called bullets from their bag, and then place them into a, their board called the site. Each site has five columns in different colors, and the bullet you pull will tell you which color column to put it in, as well as how many open slots that bullet will move down. Players have a hand of pattern cards that, if the stars align, they can use to clear the bullets from their site. If a bullet happens to hit the bottom row, that counts as damage, and the last surviving player is the winner. Each round, the bullets that you clear off your site get passed to the player to your left, meaning a really good round for you will be a really painful round for them the next round. What I really love about Bullet Heart, aside from its puzzly real-time multiplayer mode, is its fantastic solo mode. The base game comes with 8 heroines, all with different abilities and patterns. Each heroine also has a boss mode that you can try and conquer. Playing each heroine feels unique, and each boss offers a unique challenge. With dozens of matchups, all with different strategies and quirks, Bullet Heart is a game that I could play every single day. And those are my three favorite games. And as I said above, I really value variety in my gaming diet. So I'm playing new games all the time. My current game group has been a steady crew of three others since 2018. We meet at least once a week, usually on Wednesdays, and someone always has some new acquisition that they're eager to play. Just this week, I acquired a copy of Acropolis, which I'm keen on introducing to my group. And I'm going to wrap it up there. Thanks for listening. If you want to read my board game reviews, you can find them over on MeepleInTheMoose.com. If you want to find me on social media, I'm mostly active on Blue Sky as at MeepleInTheMoose. I do have accounts on Mastodon at Tabletop.Social and on Threads, both at MeepleInTheMoose. And on Discord, you'll mostly find me hanging out on the Nerd Shelf server. They're a great YouTube couple who do live streams and reviews every week. Their Discord server is a lovely place to just hang out and chat. If you want to get a hold of me, a Discord DM will get my attention. Thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you again soon. Hi, it's Danielle. I'm happy to be on the Talkin' Tabletop podcast. I run a YouTube channel called Danny Cha, and it's spelled uh, D-A-N-I-C-H-A. So if you find me there, you'll see tons of content related to primarily solo board gaming. I usually have unboxings, tutorials, playthroughs, and the occasional live streams. So feel free to check me out there. But I wanted to spend the next few minutes telling you about solo games I wish I got to the table more. If you're a hardcore board game collector as I am, you likely have many games that you enjoy to play, but you probably likely don't get it to the table as much as you'd like to. So one of those games for me is Dwellings of Eldervale. So this one is a fantastic game for solo, but it's got a huge table presence. Um, I have the, I think it's the legendary edition. So it came with, um, you know, uh, the sound bases for the miniatures, which I think are pretty cool. Um, some people think it's kind of like unnecessary, which it is unnecessary. You don't need it to play the game. But I find the um, added sound effects to be pretty fun. And if I were to ever play it with my son, I think he'd get a kick out of it. 
Um, but yeah, Dwellings of Elderell has a little bit of everything. You get to buy cards, you get to roll dice, you get to attack people. Um, it is a bit tactical because you're moving along hexes um, throughout the game and a bit of a worker placement for sure. So um, I do wish I got it to the table more, but unfortunately it takes up so much space. There's a ton of components that you have to place out and it's just not realistic to have it out all the time if I want to play it. So unfortunately, that is pretty much a game that I maybe play once a year, but I likely will never sell. So my second game on this list is Castles of Burgundy Special Edition. Although I have to admit, this is a recent purchase of mine. I did get it to the table and played, I think, two good solo games against the uh, Shotoma solo mode and I really enjoyed it and it could be worse the table space but it's, it takes up more than um, I would like to just have out and play or take it out to play whenever I would like the box is pretty massive if you're familiar with how big the special edition is and so the overall setup of it the table space those are all some reasons why I don't get it to, to the table very often but I really enjoy the game third we have Paperback Adventures. Man, this one was a very confusing one to sort. I got it used, and so the cards were a little bit um, mixed up, and so it was a little bit confusing to me how to set up the game. But that was probably just the first time, really, and that was really the only time I played it when I got it. So um, it is a game I do wish I got to the table more. It is manageable uh, table space-wise, so it's no issue there. But I think personally I was turned off by having to sort it and taking so much time to research, um, making sure I got all the cards. Because when I do trades or um, purchases of pre-owned games, I always have to check the components, you know, just in case something's missing. And at no fault of the previous owner, it could be missing from, you know, the point of purchase. So um, I like to always take an inventory of all the components, the cards and everything. So it takes some time. And so I do need to get that back to the table very soon and hopefully in this new year. So another game I really wish I got to the table more was Sky Tier Horde. So this game was a complete surprise to me in terms of how much I enjoyed it. Um, when I first got it, I played it, I think probably four or five times before I put it away. And um, I really need to get it back out. I really like the the solo um, variant and it's, it's very well done. The cards are beautiful um, and they play very well um, solo. And so I like the, the pre-made decks, or at least I think they're pre-made. That was also another game that I got um, secondhand. So I don't know if they sorted it into those decks, but I'm pretty sure those were the recommended decks to play with when you first uh, start out. So Sky Deer Horde um, doesn't take up too much table space. And uh, yeah, I, I do remember the setup being fairly quick as well. So um, I'll just have to relearn how to play. It wasn't as straightforward as um, I had hoped in terms of like the combat and, and getting the round and the phases correct. But I think once I play it, I'll be able to get uh, right back uh, into the game. All right, so the last solo game I'll talk about um, that I wish I got to the table more is Wingspan. And I can put this on the table pretty easily and save a lot of table space. I've been playing Wingspan for the past, I think, three years now. But funnily enough, I've been playing it a lot less ever since the big Wingspan box got released. Gosh, I wish... I don't know. I, I can't say I regret it because I love having all the Wingspan content all in one big box and it's beautifully organized. The box is gorgeous, but it really is such a pain, at least for me and how I have the box stored right now, to get it out, get all the things I need for the solo mode, and then be able to um, enjoy playing it <laughs> afterwards. So it's been a little um, underwhelming, I guess, having that big box because it's become a bit harder to take it out uh, and put it onto the table and I, I find it so awkward to talk about because it's like you would think the big box can you know eliminate all the little boxes required to store the game you have everything organized all the cards and everything but for me I don't know it's just like it did the it had the opposite impact on on me playing the game more um, but yeah that is one I do want to get to the table more 
And uh, yeah, we'll see. I think this new year is going to be um, full of really good board game plays. There's some games that I've been wanting to acquire from 2023, such as uh, Earthborn Rangers and Raising Robots. So there's some games I definitely want to try to uh, to also play um, for the first time in 2024. All right. Well, I think I'll end it here. Again, my name is Danielle. I run a YouTube channel called Danny Cha, and I hope to see you there. And uh, super happy to be on the Talking Tabletop podcast. Bye. Hey there, this is the Cardboard Conjecture Podcast. I'm your host, Norm. And I'm Chris. And this is a unique uh, episode of uh, an episodic series that's being hosted by uh, Mr. Rao Gaming, and it's Talking Tabletop. Talking Tabletop. Talking Tabletop. We're basically, uh, as he puts it, a collection of tabletop thoughts by... Uh, you know, a bunch of uh, content creators, so. a bunch of a bunch of schmucks, really, bunch, bunch of people, bunch that of schmucks, have way too much time on their hands. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, this is uh, and again, it's not just like what we're we're playing. It can be as as Ryan said, it's it's open, which it's open to whatever we want, which is really dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but well, well, Chris, why don't you tell them what we came up with? Yeah, so we were recording a segment of our top 25 games that we played in 2023, and uh, we recorded it in two segments. So we did our 25 to 11, each of us, and I think we're just going to critique a couple choices that each of us had in those 25. So uh, do you want to lead us off there, Norm? Yeah, for sure. And when we say critique, it's more like gush over and have FOMO. <laughs> oh, shoot. I completely misjudged that then. Well, the first the first one that I want to bring up is uh, is one that I have, and it's sitting on my shelf, and that's Endless Winter. Yeah, that came up high for me on the top 25. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, as I had mentioned in our own discussion, um, I'm form- formally, because yeah, I can't say this enough, I'm a retired teacher. Um I used to teach history, social studies, and I absolutely love that theme, right? And uh, there's deck building, there's area control, there's there's so many like there's tracks, there's oh man, there's everything. Um, yeah, I think I think you will dig it. I think you will dig it when you do get a chance to play it because there is it checks so many boxes. I'm uh, just to be absolutely respectful. Um, I'm going to quickly. Do you remember who uh, who designed? Uh, Stan, 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 Stan Kordinsky. Here we go. Yeah. And, uh, it, uh, oh yes. And of course, um, the artist is the Miko. The Miko. One, one of my favorites. Love the Miko. Uh, yeah. and I see here's uh, publisher is Fantasia Games. Fantasia Games. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. the, well, yeah. So the theme and the art. Yeah. Yeah. It like, is. Checks every box. I think picks it off the shelf before knowing what was going on. (laughs) There you go. That one's on the one. That one on your list is one that kind of made me uh, made my frontal lobe activate. Nice, nice. I'm gonna I'm gonna check off two from your list in in one go here. Nice, Um, because they're both games that I have played previous versions of before, um, but haven't played these versions. And that's uh, Gaia Project and Great Western Trail Argentina. and I have enjoyed both Terra Mystica and the original Great Western Trail and just haven't had a chance to get either one of these to a table to play uh, to see what new things they bring to it. Uh, I think the Gaia Project one will actually check a few more boxes for me um, because it has that sci-fi theme, which I really, really like. Uh, I found Terra Mystica just to be a little bit too weird, strange, something, something about it just didn't quite sit. I enjoyed it, but didn't love it. Uh, and I'm hoping that Gaia Project might uh, might bring it up on my rankings a little bit more. And then Argentina, Great Western Trail, just I want to see what they do that's different than the original game. Um, and, uh, you know, I've really enjoyed my plays of Great Western Trail. So I think Argentina will be cool if it's different enough. Yeah. Well, I mean, what I had mentioned um, on our segment, uh, the ability to, I think it was like ship your cows 
to you know fill up a boat and there were certain benefits that you got i i just i liked it because it was track <laughs> so did plan, yeah so d- does argentina replace the original for you no no okay no. good no. to know yeah it's it's, know. A, it's its own thing yeah yeah cool Excellent. um yeah. the one that uh off your list that man it was because everybody was and mostly rob and anna marie were gushing um about it is uh as uh here we go wonderland's war oh yeah gosh that's i was just talking about that one with my brother this morning too um it's such a great great alice in wonderland and it's so yep. cool right i mean yep. the, the 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 cat on the box um but uh, like run me through just the whole elevator pitch of it again because it was just so interesting. yeah so you're one of one of five main characters from the alice in wonderland story um and it's there's two parts to each round of the game. The first part, you're actually running around this tea party, which is a table in the middle, collecting cards that are giving you bonuses. Uh, so they might give you uh, more troops that you can send to control different areas. Um, it has a bag building element to it as well. This so is that one that be... lose the war, or lose the battle to win the war. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you, yeah, sometimes you just want to, you know, bust your your bag. Unlike in Quacks and Quedlinburg, you actually do want to bust just so you can get all your good stuff back into your bag for a battle that is coming up that you really want to win. Um, it, yeah, it, it, that's what it, I found super. Yeah. Cool. It really, really elevates the, the mechanisms from, from, uh, quacks and brings it to like a, a really, you know, involved game. Cause in my it's brain, very cool. In my brain a bit, it reminded me of Concordia. Like, when do I mm-hmm. pick up my cards? Yep. Like, yep. It's like, it, I see everybody moving around. Yeah. And and they're they're starting to set up, you know, in three rounds, right? So it's like, ah, I got to pay attention. Yeah, that's what would that's what kind of drew me in right away with that one. Yeah, yeah, it is it's really cool. It does some really neat things, switches it up just enough to make it really fun and different. Cool. Yeah. Um, uh, go ahead. Okay, so another game that I've got on your list that I have never tried uh, was Beyond the Sun, uh, <laughs> which I think everybody describes it as 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 um, Tech Tree, the board game. Yeah. Um, and I'm still kicking myself. I think I mentioned this in our, in our episode as well is that, uh, my flags had it on for like half price last year and I didn't pick it up and I keep kicking myself that I didn't do it. I really want to give it a shot. I love, I love tech games. I love civilization games and I love in the civilization games when you are developing your tech tree a lot and, you know, beyond the sun looks like it really checks those boxes there. I just don't know if it's going to hold my interest long term enough with that being the really only central and only mechanic of the game. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it could, it held my focus. It held my ADHD brain in check for the whole game. So kudos <laughs> on that. Yeah. Um, we have about two minutes yep. before our segment wraps up. Do you think we can do some speed drops? I've got yep, one. Okay. Yep. So one on your list that I want to play and I've never played before. And everyone's going to go, well, you've never played Dominion. You've never played Dominion, <laughs> seriously? So, oh my God, the OG! I know, right? It's yep. like it's like it, we you had mentioned, and I agreed that this was the not the original, but it was the deck building game yep. that opened up that mechanism, right? I I will and say so if, many expansions. Yeah, exactly. I will say if you've never played Dominion, play Dominion. If you played Dominion in the past and walked away from it, go back to it because that's what I did. It's a phenomenal game. It holds true to today. Some of the new expansions that have come out or newer expansions that have come out, amazing. Absolutely cool. love them. Yeah. You've got a you've got a minute. I got one. Uh Woodcraft. Um, it looks so yeah. cute. It looks so cute. Um, I just you know, that I love the dice manipulation that you have with that game where you're not actually rolling them, you're actually placing them and developing them over time and making them better. And uh, it just looks like it does some really unique things. In in a rel- well, there's still there's still a lot of thinking in that one. I think um, a lot of thinking in it. I think horrible English, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, it, Woodcraft looks very very cool and f- phenomenal looking art. Very cutesy. Yeah, it and his Vladimir Suchis. I love his brain. Yeah. Um, well, there we go. We got 14 seconds to wrap this up. Um, gonna nailed it. I nailed it. Nailed it. Um, uh, give us a, give us a listen if you're interested in what we're talking about. It's the Cardboard Conjecture Podcast. Yeah.
Hey, greetings, Mr. Rao and listeners. This is Brian Chandler at ColorblindGames.com. Uh, to give you a quick update of some of my favorite games that I first played in 2023, I'm going to start with a very quick hit, brief list. Um, the first is My City Roll and Build by Rainer Kinesia. Um, This is a 2022 game that I first played this last year. Um, has a lot of similarities to Cartographers, my favorite game of all time. Um, a great little roll and light version of My City. Um, also played Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion this last year. Um, several scenarios of that I played solo. Really got me into thinking more about dungeon crawls. Um, played Expeditions, the new Stonemaier games from this last year. Um, also solo, really enjoyed that. Uh, kind of a different take on um, engine building and using the, the scythe theme. And then Star Wars The Deck Building Game is a really smooth two-player experience. It follows this suggestion of, hey, name your thing what it is. It literally is a deck building game set in Star Wars. And I really liked the fan-made solo variant called Leaders. It's on BGG. I played that one primarily solo as well. Um, a couple other ones I'll just name briefly are Point City, The White Castle, 5211, which is an older uh, simple card game that my wife introduced me to. And Hadrian's Wall, which um, I really struggled with in person. The, the physical version of that is really difficult for colorblind players. Um, but found the Board Game Arena implementation, which was new in 23, introduced two things. One, a new color scheme. And two, a little bit of a hover kind of tooltip situation that um, allowed me to finally play the game, which is fantastic. And I really, really enjoyed it. That actually led me to purchase Twilight Inscription which I did play once last year um, and now just arrived yesterday. And I own that and looking forward to playing that in 2024. And now just quickly, a little bit more information about my two favorite games that were new to me in 2023. The first one is Marvel Champions. Definitely not a new game. This is a 2019 release. Um, got a lot of encouragement on this one um, from Mr. Rao, uh, also from uh, Maurice Andrews Jr. and finally got into it. Really, really enjoyed this one. Played it mostly solo, mostly one hero. Um, lots of things that stand out for Marvel Champions to me. It was very easy to learn. Enjoy the Marvel theme. I'm a very basic kind of MCU movie person when it comes to Marvel, and I feel like it's a good connection. And just the replayability is, is crazy. The, even the base box has five heroes, three villains. And lots more variability for multiplayer co-op. And then, of course, you know, almost infinite expansions to, to add to that. And then my number one game that was new to me in 2023, this is also a 23 release, was Astronauts. Um, This game really snuck up on me. I actually didn't even play it until September. And it still became my top game of the year and one of my most played. Um, if you're familiar with Aeon's End, it is by the same publisher using a similar... But I'd say simplified a rule set and mechanism. Um, for me, it's just a little easier to get to the table. Um, it is a relatively simple deck builder. I also played this one a single solo, one knight or one hero. Um, the accessibility stuff is great. I didn't have any issues with accessibility at all, either related to colors or to size of font. It's one probably small issue I have with Marvel Champions is sometimes the, it's a little hard to read everything. So the font's a little bit, um, especially on the collector information at the very bottom if I'm trying to sort the cards. Back to Astronauts. So some things I really love about it. Uh, one, it has a small table presence. I can fit this on my side desk in my office, which means I can come back and like play a hand whenever I want. One reason that that's true um, is that there's a turn order deck. And so instead of going back and forth heroes to villains, uh, the deck actually tells you whose turn it is next. And so you may have multiple good guy turns in a row or multiple boss turns in a row. I find that interesting and also makes it super easy to know whose turn it is because I just know I can go to the board, flip the next card, and that's that's whose turn it is. Um, I also don't have to shuffle the deck. It's a deck building game. One of the things that's annoying sometimes about deck building games is having to shuffle every time you get to the end. Um, in this case, you don't like Aeon's End. In Astronauts, you just flip the deck over and keep on going. I also really like how the market, in this case, you don't get stuck. In a lot of deck building games, you can get stuck with too expensive things or a bunch of stuff you don't really need in terms of type. And the way that they address this in Astronauts is having market piles by type and cost. And just really enjoy that. And then similar to Marvel Champions, Astronauts have a lot of replayability. So many different knights, homeworlds, bosses to fight. There's expert mode and nightmare mode for each of the bosses. So if you run into something that feels too easy, you can bump it up to nightmare. 
Um, alternatively, if you find something that's too hard, you can switch out your hero or heroes. I think there's going to be a lot of cool things when I start to add a hero and do combinations with two heroes, even playing solo. And I think it's going to be an easy uh, game to get a friend or family member to play co-op. So excited about that. I already picked up the uh, Orion system expansion and looking forward to Astronauts Eternity, which I didn't even know about. But knowing that that's coming out in 24 is a game I'll have in mind as well. A couple of my like overall intentions for 2024, I don't really have resolutions per se, but I really do want to play more games with people. I played mostly solo this last year, um, and I'm hoping to do that both online. I've already started a game on Board Game Arena today on January 1st, and hoping to do more of that in 24. And then I'm also looking to visit game stores, play more with identify places to play, and just be a person around a table. I can spend a lot of my time in gaming being a helper or writing articles or getting into accessibility stuff, which I still believe is important. But I also sometimes just want to sit at a table and play a game with people. And I think that's, to me, a, a very much something that I look forward to in 24. Also hoping, frankly, to, to buy fewer games. I have a lot of games on my shelf that I haven't played, including a bunch that I bought this last year. So my opportunity list is, is long, my shelves are full, so I'm looking forward to trying a lot of those. And then um, Dungeon Crawl is a particular game type that I think I want to get into more of. I, as mentioned, played Jaws of the Lion this year and really liked it. Um, I did pick up Role Player Adventures recently, um, and I also got an expansion to Star Wars Imperial Assault. And I've enjoyed a little bit of Imperial Assault playing solo with the app and may try that again. Or may get in a larger game. That can also be a, a competitive game. So with that, um, Mr. Rao, thank you so much for having me. Again, for those who don't know me, I'm Brian Chandler. I do a lot of work in um, accessibility-related games, especially visual accessibility uh, related to colorblindness and uh, low vision. And you can find me on the Tabletop Express Discord or and or at colorblindgames.com. Hey, everybody. Uh, this is the crew over from the Tabletop Express here. This is Chris Barrows. Hey, it's Ryan from Tabletop Express. Hey, this is Anthony. And uh, yeah, we're excited to be a part of this podcast. I uh, I guess I'll kick it off by, by sharing uh, something I played recently and uh, had a chance to get this at Christmas. I have now played two or three games of it. It's a game called Fiction by designer Peter C. Hayward, who also designed one of my favorite games, That Time You Killed Me. Artist uh, Anka Gavril, Danielle, uh, Daniel Profiri, and publisher is All Play. Uh, this one, it falls into that realm, guys, of that Wordle game, which I, I, I thought was just happening a little too much, but this one caught my eye. Uh, in in a big way so i was excited when i got this for christmas and what i like about it is it is a game where there's about 50 i think there's 55 to 60 cards with these uh, long stretches of passages from these uh, works of fiction and five letter words are highlighted as in yellow or red red if they've got double of anything so two e's two r's whatever it might be and uh, ultimately you're the librarian versus the people trying to guess. And it's the librarian because on each clue, as the the guesses are coming in, on each clue, the librarian is lying about one clue. And yeah. so it makes it a little bit more interesting every time around because you're kind of trying to figure out where is the librarian lying. And you've got three chances because there's these tokens that they can say, hey, I think you're lying. Is this fact or fiction? Uh, so you've got a chance to figure it out 10 overall chances to win the game. And it's either, you know, the, the team or the librarian who gets to win and had a ton of fun with this. Now played it two or three times. I like it quite a bit. I do like my word games uh, and, and this one so far staying in the collection because just really a good time. And overall, a very easy to pick up game in a small box. So yeah, that was uh fiction by peter c hayward and like i said published all play games what do you think is the best play count for that one mm. ah, 
you know what? When it comes down to it, you could have a good group of people on a team as far as I'm concerned with this one. And it's really flexible. Plus, honestly, you could just take a book out for this for this game and determine from a page, you know, go to X page and pick a word. So the replayability is through the roof. Take a classic book off the shelf, take Huck Finn off and pick a paragraph. So it's it, it's got a lot of variety, variety in that way, too. Interesting. Cool. Well, yeah. uh, I'm going to talk about a solo only game. Speaking of play counts, uh, <laughs> this is a game I played by myself today, uh, and that is called That Others May Live Combat Search and Rescue Dash Vietnam. It's uh, designed by Brad Smith, published by Hollenspiel Games, came out uh, last year in 2023. Oh my goodness, last year. Um, <laughs> so, uh, That Others May Live is a solitaire, card-driven war game where you are com- you are co- doing combat search and rescue during the Vietnam War, trying to fly planes and, and uh, recover some soldiers that have... Uh, that are lost in the that that are lost down in different zones in Vietnam. Uh, okay, so this is like a uh, a I was not ready for this kind of war game war game, uh, and I am actually really enjoying it. So I don't know what that says about me, but in this game you are gonna be flying different kinds of aircraft out, and you're gonna try to. Uh, avoid different gu- uh, gunners that are going to take down your ships. Um, and what I thought was really neat about this too is there's these. Uh, first of all, there's a diagram of kind of steps you need to go through, and it's actually very clear. It looks super scary, but it's actually really clear how it's done. And it tells such like it really feels like I messed up and botched this rescue operation because, <laughs> of course. I try to rescue one person. Two of my ships go down. So now I have to rescue three people because the two people on those ships are also survivors now that I need to collect. And there's only one oh, ship I have that can actually collect people. So, oh man. Uh, it's it, it was really fun. Um, and I want to play it. I'm going to play it again um, a couple more times to see how it ranks. But so far, I'm enjoying it. Uh, and there's also um, scenarios, different scenarios you can play that are based on actual historic events. And there's also a mini campaign you can do as well. That's cool. Yeah. So that's it. That Others May Live, Combat Search and Rescue Vietnam. It's a pretty lengthy title. Yeah, yeah. right? So <laughs> I was about to say, the title's something right there. Not to be confused with, like, you know, the other that others may live. Which right. I think there is. All right. My game is a small box, very lightweight uh, tile laying game that also came out in 2023. This one's from Devere Games. I was actually eyeing it at PAX Unplugged, uh, fooled around with it a little bit, and just kind of, like, didn't pull the trigger on it. My uh, awesome wife, who pays attention to such things, got it for me for Christmas. So this one's from designer Rodrigo Rego, an artist from Noria Aparicio. Apologize if that's correct. incorrect. Uh, basically, this is Savernake Forest, which is a real forest in the UK, I believe. And in this game, you're going to be creating a grid in front of you made of these square tiles. The tiles have these different... Uh, pathways on them that have different food items along the paths. And then some of the cards are animal cards. There's a bunch of unique different animals in the game that have different point values uh, associated with each type of food in the forest. So you're trying to set up an ideal situation where they're going to have access to the food that gets them the most points gets you the most points because they like it the most so it's kind of this abstract you know set up a little bit of a a labyrinth type thing in your grid and try to set up an ideal situation now the interesting thing is that each animal has a a point value that's associated with them just for playing them in your forest but then they can gather this food 
but they have a capacity of the amount of food they're they're able to hold. So what are the actions you can do? Because when you draft cards, you do an action associated with that spot is you can use uh, the armadillo, which, uh, who teaches you how to dig holes. So basically it increases your storage capacity for each animal. So you really can get a little bit of a, for, for a simple tiling game, you can kind of get a nice little engine going with uh, particular animals if you can really increase their capacity and thus you can keep making their path go longer and longer. Because here's the deal, they're going to take the first foods that are available to them in that path, even if it's something that maybe scores them zero points. So the other thing you can do is when you choose styles, is choose from uh, the goat area. And the goat teaches you how to hydrate better. Basically, it increases the value of one of those types of food. So let's say you're, you know, your squirrel doesn't like uh, eggs or whatever. It's zero points. You do this upgrade. Now it's one point, right? Or it goes from three to four, whatever you want to, however you want to optimize it. But that was pretty cool. Uh, I play with my wife in a two-player variant. They let you build basically a, a grid that's twice the size as a standard game, but uh, it worked out really well, and it was interesting. There was a few a uh, few good decisions to make, and you know what I like about it? Unlike other tile lane path type games, is you can kind of cut off these paths whenever you want. There's there's no adjacency that really needs to happen besides literally. It's okay if a path ends at like a dead end or whatever. You're still going to score the points for that food. Uh, so that's Savernake Forest. I look forward to giving this one a little more table time because it has a nice, quick feel to it. And that's my pick. Awesome. Well, look, I, I just got to say this to to Mr. Rao. Excited to be a part of this. I, I think I speak for everyone, but I don't need to. So uh, I'll give you guys a chance to chime in. I'm just saying, excited to be a part of this and looking forward to sharing more of those games that we are playing here on the Tabletop Express, and we hope uh, to see everybody over on our channel at some point for Call Aboard. Call on in, be part of a show with us. Uh, but uh, anything else you guys want to add before we uh, head on out and uh, hopefully come back with more picks uh, in the future? Yeah, well, congrats, Mr. Rao, on another new venture here. You are a content beast, uh, putting out all kinds of stuff. So, So hats off to you, and we're happy to be a small part of it. Mr. Rao, you do us fellow Ryans very proud. <laughs> I'm honored to share a name with such a fine, fine man. <laughs> On that note, thanks. Uh, thank you again. And uh, like, yeah, like we said, we'll be back and uh, certainly come back with uh, more games we've been playing for uh, future episodes. So thanks for having us. Bye, y'all. Hello, everybody. I'm Rob. And I'm Anna Marie. And together we are the Meeple Dungeon. And we are excited to be recording uh, this uh, clip for this cool new podcast yeah. that is being put together by Ryan and friends. And it's called uh, Talking Tabletop, I believe is what it's called and yeah. what it's going to be called moving forward. So, yeah, we're going to be trying to contribute to this uh, as much as possible. We're struggling to even contribute to this first episode because uh, <laughs> we're both sick. And our voices aren't 100%, but uh, we are going to give it a go anyway. So we figured for this first one, what did we figure? We figured that we are going to talk about 10 games that we still are hoping to play, uh, play the pants off and review for... Before um, we call it a year. <laughs> before we call it a year. Yeah. So um, just, yeah, it's been a bit of a gong show of a year and we yeah, haven't gotten to play as much as we'd wanted here so we're gonna try to we have the next few days off we are yep. going to try to jam pack it with as much uh as many Hopefully board all games all of these 10 games all of these 10 <laughs> games if not more um and then get reviews out and then we wanted to also put out a request a challenge to all of you if you want to let us know your favorite game of 2023 if you want to send it to us um, and we can see if we haven't reviewed it or if we haven't played it, if yeah. we can get our hands on a copy to try to get that played as well before we do our top 10 of the year. Yeah. And our, uh, if you want to contact us, it's, uh, the meeple dungeon at gmail.com or on, um, or on X, you can find us there at meeple dungeon at meeple dungeon. Yeah. Okay. 
So let's uh, get this started. So the first game on my side of the table here that I would love to get to play is Sky Team. Yes. Yeah, this one. That game looks so good. Yeah, let me just bring this up here. I'm so curious <clears throat> to see because I haven't watched anybody play it. So I'm so curious to see how it actually mm-hmm. plays out. Yeah, this one has been highly, highly... Uh, um touted touted yeah everybody <laughs> seems to love this game it's a two-player right yep there's a two-player yeah. only where you are um trying to fly and land a plane yeah this one comes from um publisher scorpio masque so uh canadian that we know yeah yeah and uh designed by luke raymond and uh yeah this one is yeah a two-player dice placement game where you are working together as pilot and co-pilot to simulate uh taking off flying a plane and landing a plane at another airport so it just sounds super cool to me yeah you put dice down and you have to, you also can't communicate or something yeah. like that where you have to you have to like use your dice to best work with each other and you're oh, it just sounds interesting such I really, a neat really like idea for a game yeah so that's the first one that i would really like to get to play what yes. do you what do you have my first one is uh kutnahora the city of silver so this one is uh designed by andre bystren Peter Kozlava and Pavel Yarosh, um, and published by Czech Games Edition. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like a lot of the Czech Games Edition games. I find yeah, they're really good. Um, and this is a big um, city building game. So it looks awesome. Yeah, it looks very good. So you're just 14th century, I believe, and you're trying to build up the build up your build up the city and you know smelt silver and just you know yeah. be part of the big boom. Yeah, it looks cool. So it's, again, it's another one that a lot of people are talking about, and yeah. uh, apparently a lot of people are starting to love. So yeah, hopefully we get that yeah. one in in the next uh, few days. Yeah. Um, the next one I have is a game that I typically probably wouldn't have been super attracted to because it's based off of a uh, TV show uh, IP, and that one's called The Last Kingdom. And this mm-hmm. one, um, the reason that I am stoked upon this one is because when I looked at it, it was designed by John D. Clare, yes. one of our favorite. Uh, designers um and so i thought wow okay um might as well otherwise i probably wouldn't have really you know what's funny though is that um vikings the other it's like the same it's vikings as well but it's it was uh, an ip that was done and that game was fantastic it was yeah so yeah it's curious it's interesting that it's both viking ips and i'm excited to yeah well, sort of Vikings anyway. Well, but, sort of. But <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, this one is based off that show from Netflix um, called The Last Kingdom. And this one plays two to five players. It is jo- uh, it is designed by John D. Clare and published by Gamelin Games. And um, yeah, just it's kind of an area control, typical um, like uh, warring factions sort of scenario uh, over the board. And it looks awesome though. It looks, yeah. it's got cool little minis. The production looks really nice. Uh, the cover board artwork or like the cover uh, is just a picture from the show. And I really don't like that. Yeah. But other than that, I, apparently it's really good. So I'm excited to try it, especially with John D. Clare. Yes, so absolutely. That's my number two, the last kingdom board game. All right. My number two here that we've got on there is uh, Cosmoctopus. This just looks like a fun little, um, you're, you're leading uh, through the inky realm and uh, <laughs> just looks, yeah, it looks goofy. Um, and this one is, uh, comes to us from Paper Fork Games with Lucky Duck Games designed by Henry Audubon. And this is, uh, it's a cooperative game, area movement, hand management. You have a modular board. It's just, it's just funny. It looks like it's just a spoof on, um, you know, your devotees yeah. <laughs> in space and yeah. Yeah. Like cultish sort of thing. But just goofy. Yeah. Like yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So that's a uh, Cosmoctopus. It looks, it's, it looks cute. It does. Yeah. I agree. Okay, uh, my number three here is a game that I've really wanted to play the second it came in the door for us, and that's Voidfall. Yeah. This one is for one to four players, uh, designed by Nigel Buckle and David Turchi, uh, art by Ian O'Toole, and this is published by Mind Clash Games. A huge box. It's a big space opera style game. Yeah. Um, but it is a it is more of a Euro um, than say, nice than say yeah. the. Uh, uh, like Eclipse T. or something? Yeah. Or no, well, it's closer to Eclipse, Eclipse than nice. it is to TI. Love Eclipse. Um, but more so, like more down the Euro um, ladder. Yeah. And it, uh, yeah, it looks so cool where this is the first one of those style games where you can actually do co-op and you can yeah. take on uh, the bad guys and, and the invasion of these different 
um, baddies, and it just looks really, really good. I'm excited to play this one. Hopefully, we can play this one in the next couple of days, at least if we could play uh, one game of head-to-head and one game of co-op. co-op. I'd be happy with that. So we're going to try to um, get this done. Yeah. So Voidfall, <laughs> uh, that would be my number three. What nice. do you have? Um, the next one I have is Barcelona. And so this one, uh, designed by Danny Garcia and published by Board and Dice. And this one is, again, it's another kind of like city building game, um, but worker placement, things like that. You're basically, Barcelona's already made, but what you're doing is you're expanding. Hmm. So you're like making the city, you're helping grow it to make it bigger from the city center, kind of like developing suburbs and things like that. Yeah. And gorgeous cover art. It's very bright, very um, just inviting looking. So I'm very excited to try Barcelona. It's getting some good buzz too. It is. And uh, yeah, looking forward to that one. Cool. Uh, my fourth one here, this one is again from John D. Clare. This one yeah. is, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, from Empire, or it's Empire's End from John D. Clare and uh, Brotherwise Games. This one is two to four player. And um, let's see, any, we, you know, anytime I saw John D. Clare uh, attached to a game, <laughs> we just backed it or, or pre-ordered it and then just asked questions <laughs> later. Uh, but this one says uh, you lead a grant. And this one you did you did twice. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I pre-ordered. I, I I backed it. Backed it and pre-ordered it. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's that. That's uh, shows you I just kind of mindlessly yeah um, back anything from this guy. Uh, you lead a grand civilization at the height of its influence, but can you save it from collapse in Empires? And two to four players compete to keep calamity at bay. Empires end marries the intuitive and elegant mechanisms of reverse bidding and engine building, long-term planning, and strategic depth. The results in a game with a quick tempo, abundant tension, and multiple challenging paths to victory. Sounds great. Yeah. You know, just sounds good. Sounds solid. Um, and we're going to try to pair this game up. So we're going to play both. Uh, the Last Kingdom and Empires End and do one episode about those those two yes. games. Yeah. So you can look for that episode here in the next week or so. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Another John D. Clare. Nice. All right. So the fourth one I have is Jin. So this mm. one, uh, designed by Benjamin Schwer and published by Hall Games and uh, Pegasus Spiel. This one, um, super excited. So Jin is kind of like a genie, just for anybody curious about it. So it's a fantasy game. Um, Once your ancestors found or created a source of magic, the exact knowledge of its origin, as far as you know, has long been lost. A small community has developed around the source, which seeks to protect this place and keep it as secret as possible. However, we got some jinns coming in and they're going to try to steal the um, the magic source of your power. And so you're trying to basically just keep them at bay, use what you know, your magic, and, and not let them take it away from you and get in there. So... I think this one looks fantastic. Yep. I'm super excited to play um, to play Jin. It's just, it looks fun. Looks great. <laughs> yeah, love it. <clears throat> okay, excuse me. Uh, I've got one final one here to talk about for myself, and this one is a game we've had on our shelf for quite a while here, and we just haven't had the right moment to play it. This one's called Station Fall. Yeah. This one plays one to nine players, um, and it's published by Ion Game Design and designed by Matt Eklund. And this one is a big social deduction kind of chaotic game where you're all aboard this space station and it's it's uh, kind of losing power and it's going to re-enter the atmosphere of the planet that it's hovering around. And you and a bunch of other wacky characters are trying to survive this ordeal and you're kind of like stabbing each other in the back and you have to get certain items and go from one area to another area and get into escape pods and all these various things. It sounds like hilarious. Yes. Uh, Great times. This this sounds like a game made for me. Hidden traitor. Oh, they're all traitors. It's like oh, you're all traitors. Everyone can kind of work together, <laughs> kind of not work together. Yeah. it's all a, a big gong show. So, um, yeah, sounds really great. And we are doing a big game day on this coming Thursday. So that's we're a hopefully perfect... we have enough people to play this one. So yeah. I'm going to learn this one ahead of time and uh, and hopefully we can get jump that done. into it. Yeah. yeah, perfect. All right, the one more. the last one that I have, which I am super duper excited for uh it came in finally it's one that i um had uh, backed and it came in after long wait <laughs> and that is earthborn rangers uh this one designed by andrew fisher brooks fluger levitt andrew navarro adam sadler brady sadler and published by earthborn games the first yep. game by earthborn games where yep. they're trying to be um friendly to the planet yep. so 
take a look for uh, that game and for other games by uh, by them. And this one, oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> so basically the world, uh, you had to band together like so many games mm-hmm. and try to save the world. And so often you don't and we have to leave to another planet. However, we use technology and nature and we work together and we actually did save the planet. And this is a cooperative game after that has taken place yeah so this is in in the aftermath of saving the planet and you're just peacefully like yeah like going out and where it's like the opposite of like like every post-apocalyptic is usually just hell on earth yeah and you're fighting with each other trying to like get the resources and yeah now it's like a peaceful like haven of great stuff and it's neat it's 100 a card game um and so you there's a map and you're going exploring different things kind of like an open world card game and you can you can go in so many different directions in this game. It's just because it's so open, and it. I just love the idea that it's a peaceful aftermath. Yeah, it's a neat one, and I'm so excited to dive into this. Heard game. lots of good things too yeah. about this one. So, yeah, okay, there you go. We have uh, ten games that we want to get played in the next like five days or so. So yeah. we also have uh, a review of Apiary coming out on our next episode, which we are recording tonight. So that'll be episode seventy nine. Um, if you're interested, and that's yeah. from uh, Stonemire Games, the newest game from Stonemire. So, spoiler, it's pretty fun. It's a good one. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, we're gonna run, and um, this has been fun, and we'll see you in the next episode. Cheers. See ya. Bye bye. Hey everybody, how you doing today? My name is Dan Nixon, and I am a board game contributor for the websites Comic Book Yeti and Gate Crashers, both of which have been broadening their scope to encompass geek culture at large, and my piece to help that is board games. When able, I'm active in the Mr. Rail Gaming livestream chats as DNX7, and look forward to getting myself out there more with him and the Tabletop Express and all our friends in the community. I've been playing board games all my life, but my origin story is probably like many. I started early with the basics, Sorry, Monopoly, and Clue. I then moved to HeroQuest and Dungeons and Dragons and Warhammer. Then into Settlers of Catan and Ticket to Ride and I just didn't look back. I've been writing for Gatecrashers for a little over a year and I started with Comic Book Yeti very recently. I wanted to thank Ryan for getting this together. I was really pumped when he asked for contributors. I know it's probably a lot of work, but that's the guy to do it. He really has a passion for gaming, and I just very much enjoyed chatting with him about gaming and even non-gaming topics. I've wanted to participate more in the community, and podcasts seemed like a good direction for that, but I've been wondering what kind of angle to take with this opportunity. A lot of attention is given to new games, you know, what's the hotness, what's coming out this year, what's on Kickstarter, and what's going to be delivered this year or next year, three years down the line. But what about the older games, you know? Sure, there are articles and videos, but a lot of them are outdated. There are great games, and newer people to the hobby might not know about them. Also part of the hobby that I enjoy is introducing new people to modern board gaming. Finding that game that brings you into the hobby. I love teaching and playing modern board games with people who haven't played them before. That's why if a game has an intro uh, scenario or recommendation start setup, I've probably played it five times, you know. Just setting up multiple games for multiple people. It's the first time they're playing, and it's the easiest way. You know, you run through the, the starting scenario. I, I've probably played the opening scenario of Undaunted Normandy by this point nine times, so... So I think that's the route I'm going to take. What are some games you can use to introduce people to the world of modern board games? I can give you recommendations from my experiences and maybe even some next steps from those games. So my first recommendation, which I've already mentioned, is Ticket to Ride. This game is a classic. I'd be surprised if anyone listening to this doesn't know what Ticket to Ride is. It's kind of ascended the normal board game zeitgeist Uh, You can't go wrong with this. It's easy setup, it's an easy teach, and there is good strategy within there. You got set collection and contract fulfillment as the key mechanisms. Set collection meaning you have to collect light-colored train cards in order to claim routes on the board to score points. 
And then the contract fulfillment means to satisfy a certain route of connected cities, say New York to Miami. If you connect all your trains from those cities to other cities and you get Miami to New York, you fulfill that contract, you gain points. It plays well at two players and it plays well at the higher counts. There are additional versions of the game with different maps that add more rules and abilities, but the base version is where you want to start if you're trying to hook someone new into gaming. Even the digital version is great. I mean, you got it on Steam, you have it on your cell phones, iPads. Board Game Arena implements Ticket to Ride, so you can get on there and check it out. It works so well, but the base version in person is what I recommend. So go ahead, get out there, test out Ticket to Ride, see if you can get some people into wanting to try other games, and uh, have a good one. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for all your awesome contributions to this very first Talking Tabletop podcast episode. Oh, it just feels so good. All right, folks, I'm Ryan from Mr. Rouse Gaming, and this past holiday season has been filled with so many great gaming memories for myself that I thought I'd highlight a few you know, tabletop games that I saw have real big success for us over this holiday season. One of them is a little game called Scout. And Scout is designed by Ken Cangino and it's published by Oink Games. If you're not familiar with Oink Games, Oink Games is a small, small, small box game that packs a lot of punch. In Scout, it's essentially it's just a card game. It's a card game, but every single card has two values on it. It's got a top value and it's got a bottom value. And they're kind of like opposite in orientation because that card can be held one of two different ways. And this is one of those really interesting card games where it's um, all the cards are dealt out to you and you cannot arrange the cards. So the way that they're dealt to you, that's the way that they got to stay. You got to keep them in that particular order. And that's how you're going to end up having to shed the cards out of your hand. Now, how do you shed cards out of your hand though? Well, this is where you're gonna have to have to try to find sets and runs of these different values. And essentially what you're gonna do on your turn is you're gonna have to do one of two things. You're either gonna have to show, which means you're gonna end up having to play down some cards out of your hand, either a set or a run, a run being either like a one, two, three, or a three, two, one, but it can't be a two, three, and a one that does not count as a run. So if that's the way that they appear in your hand, you cannot play them down as a run. Now, there's little special rules on how what trumps what, like say like uh, a set of two will always uh, trump a set, a run of two or a set of three will always trump a run of three type thing. So when you're going to try to play down your cards, you always have to try to beat the hand that is in front of you. Now, if you can't do that, one of the other actions you can take is what's referred to as a scout action, where you can just take one of the two end cards of the of the player that has previously showed, but every card that you claim from them, they're going to end up getting a victory point at the end of the round. And play is going to go around and around the table where eventually somebody's going to run out of cards. And that's really good for you, but because you don't have to count up any negative points because if you have cards left in your hand at the end of the game or at the sorry at the end of the round you're gonna have to you know take cards away and so you it's just a really really neat game i'm not doing it any justice by do, uh, by explaining it but definitely take a look at scout by oink games it is a fantastic little card game and everybody that i showed it to this past holiday season they really, really wanted to go and try to find themselves their own little copy of Scout, which did become available just before the holiday season. So it may still be out there on your uh, shelves. I know that Amazing Stories here in Saskatoon does have some copies still left. Another little game that we found really great success over the holiday season was a game referred to as Skull and Skull is, is published by Space Cowboys and I'm not seeing a designer 
immediately on the box that I'm looking at right now, but I will definitely give them credit in the show notes afterwards. But Skull is a neat little bluffing game where essentially every player has got a set of coasters, a bunch of them roses, but some of them have a skull on them. And what you're going to do on your turn is simple. You're either going to play down a coaster face down in front of you, simple, or as soon as a certain number of turns have kind of started taking around the table, what you're going to do is then you're going to end up having to say, you know what, I think I can call out a number and I can flip over that many coasters that reveal just roses. And there's where the fun in the game is because you're going to start off with yourself. You're going to flip over your tiles and you might have a couple roses, but maybe you said four. And now you got to look around the table and you got to start flipping over other people's coasters and hopefully you don't hit a skull. Now, other people can outbid you. If I said, I can think I can flip over four coasters before I get a skull. And somebody might say, mm, you know what? I think I can do five. And so there's kind of like a little push your luck there. And then things. So anyways, if you're able to win two of those bids throughout the course of the game, you're going to end up winning. Now, let's just say you do end up coming up across a skull in your flipping over. You don't win your bid and you actually have to lose one of your coasters for the remainder of the game. So your stack of coasters is getting smaller and smaller. It's just a ton of fun. It provides quite a number of laughs uh, around the table and just that right amount of, you know, just that bluffing deduction. Did they play a skull? Did they not play a skull? How many can I actually really get away with before I, you know, run out of my luck? Scout and Skull were two smash hits that I never actually thought would be as big of hits that they were going to be across the holiday season. But man, oh man, I'm just going to make sure that they're always packed in our bag when we go anywhere for an extended period of time because they just always seem to have a good time, no matter who we've ever taught them to. All right, folks. I've been Ryan from the Mr. Owl Gaming YouTube channel. Find me out on YouTube. Give me a like, comment, subscribe to my channel. I'm very active on very other, various other social media platforms, mainly Blue Sky at the moment right now. If you want an invite to the Blue Sky platform, please reach out to me at Gaming at gmail.com. And if you would also like to contribute to the um podcast here i would love to have you drop me a line mr al gaming at gmail.com you can also find me very active in the tabletop express discord server uh, i'm also very active on instagram and on facebook just give me a shout anytime you want to participate in the talking tabletop podcast you've got thoughts on ta- tabletop games Reach out to me. I would love, love, love to have you on the channel. You do not need to be a content creator if you would like to contribute a segment. Reach out to me and I'll hook you up on how exactly you can also be part of this really awesome community of board gamers. All right, folks. I've been Ryan, Mr. L Gaming. I want you all to have a really fantastic day, afternoon, evening, whenever you decided to enjoy this little podcast. And We will see you in two weeks' time. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening.